Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. Listen up. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. You are listening to Dove Valley Deep Divers with Eric Trickle and Lance Sanderson. Ball comes out of the hands of Newton. It's on the ground, picked up by T.J. Ward at the four-yard line. Vaughn Miller did it again. On Overtime Media. Mile high hello, everybody in Broncos country. Welcome into another episode of the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. I am your host, Lance Sanderson, returning after a two-week vacation from going elk hunting over the last couple of weeks. And joining me, as always, is my good friend and colleague, uh, the one and only Eric Trickle. Eric, dude, what's going on, man? First things first, big news today for the Denver Broncos. We've got, uh, obviously, the, the Tim Patrick conversation, signing a big, a big three-year contract extension to remain in Denver through 2024. But Eric, dude, what's going on, man? How you doing? <laughs> um i'm doing all right i've managed to my little one was dealing with a little bug the last few days and she yeah. still is, still has a little cough and i've managed to catch it so i'm kind of dealing with that so if i sound a little rough and crispy in the voice that's part of the reason why they're um but i'm excited man it was good to see them lock up tim patrick and it's definitely a sigh of relief i guess it, uh, a breath of relief really because now they don't have to worry about both Sutton and Patrick in the offseason, um, which obviously is some great news for that. Yeah, man. I, I, the, the biggest thing that I have to take away from this is just rewarding the guys that you've developed in-house and the guys that have shown you know the work ethic and the propensity to go out and make plays and just continue to be one of the most reliable receivers in the NFL, I believe it was pro football focus earlier today, put up a, a statistic that had Tim Patrick with 157 uh, consecutive targets over or 157 targets since 2019 with two total drops. He has not had a drop since week 13 of the 2019 season. This guy has been literally the most reliable receiver the Broncos have had in the last couple of years. He had a drop this year. Okay, so I, I, I missed that. I, apologies for that one. I, I, I must have missed that one. I was just going off of what I saw in Pro Football Focus. Regardless, it doesn't necessarily matter. This guy is literally the entire um, encompassing effect of being just the most re- reliable guy. He goes out there and he plays hard on every single play. He blocks hard. He works his tail off. And he wants to be the best wide receiver that he can be. He's a great guy in the locker room. This is a great deal for the Broncos, man. Eric, what do you think? Listen up, Broncos country. Tick Pick should be your first choice to buy football tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees ever. Tick Pick is the exclusive ticketing partner for the Huddle Up podcast and the Blue Wire Network. Denver Broncos football is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Broncos tickets anymore because Tick Pick, that's T I C K. P-I-C-K is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on another
regular ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. That's right, guys. When we were searching for tickets for the MHH meet and greet for week three at home, Broncos versus Jets, TickPick had us locked down. So visit TickPick.com slash huddle today and use the promo code huddle to save $10 on your first order of Broncos tickets. I mean, it really is a great deal for them. It locks him in for three years, and he's going to be turning 28, so it's a great deal for him. I mean, he's just managed to get $18.5 million guaranteed for his birth as an early birthday present. Right. And then an early holiday present as well. Like, it's just great for him. Great for the Bron- great for the Broncos locking him up. I mean, especially with KJ Hamler's injury uh, and not having to f- worry about both wide receivers this offseason. Like, it's just a great re- breath of relief, as I said earlier for multiple reasons for them it was a good deal um 10 to 10 to about 12 under 12 million dollars on an average per year basis if he's able to max out that contract at that 34.5 million or just manages to get the 30 million i doubt he makes the full part of the contract but we'll see with that and it's great for them as well because the timing of it we'll probably see the break when this the breakdown of this comes out it'll probably be a like a two-in-one type of deal two years with that option on that third one a way to get out of it. And the timing of that is perfect because in two years, KJ Hamler's a free agent. And that's when you're hinter- hitting hitting that fifth year of Jerry Judy's deal of that rookie contract. So you're losing your two cost controls, um, cost control players really. And you have Patrick. So, so it provides you with a little bit of freedom with that, which I think is probably was a big key for the Broncos and George Payton is just the timing of it all with the two young receivers right exactly we'll break down the numbers here for you guys it's a three-year 30 million dollar deal with up to 34 and a half million dollars on a maximum on uh, with some incentives and stuff like that 18 and a half million dollars guaranteed i haven't seen anything as far as a signing bonus is concerned um to maybe you know alter the number the the cap number for the broncos moving forward next year but eric's absolutely right on this uh the broncos obviously with kj hamler who's coming off that torn acl it's going to be a question mark as to whether he's going to be able to return for the beginning of the season next year you now have tim patrick to be able to just continue with continue with this offense um regardless of, of who's playing the quarterback whether it's teddy whether it's drew a, a free agent a draft pick who it doesn't matter the fact is the broncos now have three wide receivers that they can trust all the way through all of next year and, and uh keeping Cortland sutton hopefully here as well but uh, if you keep Cortland sutton they have tim patrick they have jerry judy that lessens the burden on the quarterback to be able to go out there and have to make plays by himself Tim Patrick again, the most one of the most reliable guys. Big catch, uh, big catch radius. A guy that does that runs really good routes. Doesn't create a whole bunch of separation, but he understands. <coughs> excuse me, his limit. <coughs> excuse me, his limitations and uses his body the right way. I mean, this is this is just a great deal for the Broncos. A great deal for uh, for Tim Patrick. He might have been able to make a little bit more money on the open market, but for him to secure the bag and you know make sure that his family's set up for uh, the next couple of generations. Uh, you got to feel happy for Tim in in this uh, in this scenario. Definitely, Andrew came in donating some stars, saying evening evening all. Congratulations, Tim! Thank you, Andrew. We appreciate that, and uh, appreciate everybody who provides support either through stars or super chats during the all these shows. And Peter Peter Middleton said, "Told you for weeks that we should sign Patrick. Love the signing." Um, yeah, I mean, just last week in the with, talking with uh, Lance Carl and Nick and our group chat, I was in the tunnel. I was like, I wouldn't be so sure. I mean that uh, Patrick doesn't get paid by Denver. It seemed it's always been a case of George Payton and the Broncos. They've wanted both back for a while. I didn't expect them to get a, one of the deals done before the end of the season. I thought they both would 
try to push it to get more money after the season when they know how they've done. Um, so I was a little, I'm a little shocked at the timing, but Denver, they've wanted both back. And this doesn't mean Cortland Sutton's done in Denver. George Payton views him as a young core building block for this offense, for this team in general, with his added, with his character and his attitude on and off the field. He, he loves him. And so I just, I think that at the very least we'll see Cortland Sutton get franchise tag though. I think that they'll push hard to get a deal done before that comes. Yeah, absolutely. And just to continue on with showing some support to everybody that's joining us tonight, Joey Richards at JR Drafts on, on Twitter, guys. Make sure you guys give him a follow. Joey's been on the show before. Really good friend of the podcast. Really good friend with uh, Nick and Carl and everybody as well. Joey, thanks for joining us tonight with the $5 Super Chat. Uh, just want to show some support. Keep up the good work, guys. You as well, Joey, over at Mile High Sports. We appreciate everything you do and help and contribute to our show as well. Um, love to have you back on the show sometime here soon. So let's uh, get at me and Eric in the, in the DMs on twitter and we'll we'll arrange that here in the next couple of weeks if that's all right with you buddy um saying hello to the rest of the chat uh, we have another um another bunch of stars coming in here from lawrence rivera on facebook nothing to say just showing some love we appreciate you lawrence for joining us i uh, gotta say hello to uh jacob berlanga as well um i'm not sure the context of that that comment there jordan but just want to sh- uh give you a shout out thanks for joining us david crespin over on youtube as well uh andrew desert creature um maurice chevalier the fourth as well carl cross over on youtube um jeff noise as well thank you all for joining the dove valley deep divers podcast now guys let's get into some quick matters of business um i've been away for a little bit i'm not exactly sure are we still doing a, a giveaway this month for, for stars and stuff like that yes we are um Guys, keep your stars, donations, and stuff like that coming in. Um, we really appreciate all of you guys' support. The YouTube uh, Super Chat superstars are going to be in on this as well. I don't know the full details on that. Get back with uh, with Chad and Zach on Monday night. But we definitely appreciate all of you guys' support. You guys can find me on Twitter by finding me at SandersonMHH. For Eric, at Eric Trickle. We've got uh, Scott Kennedy, at Scout Kennedy, running the ones and twos behind the scenes. And Chad's joining us as well. Chad, what's up, buddy? We appreciate you, man. Uh, Malcolm Brown with the $2 Super Chat here. If only one inside linebacker gets a contract, who should that be? Eric, what do you think? Depends on what scheme they're going to. Like, honestly, that's what it all... That's the biggest thing is are they going to be having a drastic change of what they're asking their linebackers are, are going to do? Are they going to be like, it, again, it's just so much that so much variables about which linebacker they should bring back because all three, Kenny Young, Josie Jewell and Alexander Johnson all do different things. Mm-hmm. And so you just got to figure out what you're going to do and then go from there. Um, with what we do know, I would try to get Josie Jewell back on a cheaper deal um, I know everybody's all hyped about Kenny Young, but uh, he's been solid for them coming downhill. But man, his play and coverage has still been rough. He just lacks the awareness and doesn't move very smoothly lat- or backwards. And then Alexander Johnson, he's great at what he does, but Baron Browning's replaced that. And uh, I would rather uh, see them stick with Baron Browning. So talking about complementary skill, skill sets at the linebacker core, I'd rather Josie Jewell next to Baron Browning than any than either of the other two next to Browning. I, I don't disagree with you. And Peter, I miss you too, man. I, it's been rough this last couple of weeks. I've been dying to get back on the pod and I cannot wait to you know continue on to this conversation. All right, guys, here it is. 200,000 stars to a Broncos jersey of your guys' choice. We are 100% complete. So again, get back with Chad and Zach. Is that going to be on Monday, Chad? 
Yes, it is. So on Monday, following uh, following the Sunday games, because the Broncos are on a bye this week, make sure you guys get in on the Huddle Up show with Chad and Zach to find out who won that Broncos jersey of your guys' choice. Top star donators right now. Randy Jones is, is at the top of the, the leaderboard this month. Travis Weber as well. Shane Daniels, Andrew, Andrew Lampe, uh, Tim Hoffman, Andrew Baker in there as well. Travis Tarbox. Doug Reichel, Peter Middleton, and Morgan Henry rounding out your top 10. And thank you guys all for your massive amounts of support. You guys don't understand how much we appreciate that. I say it every single week that I'm on the show. Uh, without your guys' support, we couldn't do what we do best, which is cover your Denver Broncos. Um, got a couple of super stickers coming in here from Nathan over on uh, on YouTube. If we can get those pulled up here in a second, that'd be great. Um, $1.49 on that. Thank you for that. And there's another one here as well. Um, you know, Nathan's actually going to kind of go after Mo here for the king of the super sticker. Where's Mo at? Anybody seen Mo in a while? Um, to, to get back to the conversation before we, we grab Andrew here, I don't disagree with you going back to Alexander Johnson, um, Kenny Young, and the Josie Jewell conversation. Uh, whereas, you know, Baron Browning, another big ask, uh, Baron Browning um, replacing Alexander Johnson moving forward. Another aspect of this is Alexander Johnson's 30 years old, guys. And he doesn't do very well in coverage. He's not the best moving backwards away from the ball. At least Baron Browning has the athleticism and youth on his side. He may need to still develop his coverage aspects, but he does have the athletic ability to do it. I've actually noticed an improvement with Baron Browning in the field, even despite his lack of instincts. He still does better because that his lack of instincts are made up for uh, with his, his uh, accentuated athleticism. So, he can make a mistake, but he has the athleticism to rebound from that mistake and still make a play on the football. That's something you don't see with Alexander Johnson and his coverage ability. Just the fact is he's so stiff in his hips. He doesn't turn and run very well. Like I would much rather go with a Baron Browning and Josie Jewell, like Eric says, because Jewell has been tremendous in coverage. Kenny Young, I don't necessarily think he even wants to be here. Like he was really upset about being traded to the Broncos in the first place. I think he's on his way out. Quite honestly, I really do. I mean, with Kenny Young, I'm not wanting to be here. I'm not sure he, it's really that he doesn't want to be here. I think that that was just frustration. He goes from a team of the Rams that were, what, 7-1 and one at the time to the Broncos who had a losing record at the time. Right. Like, can't can't really blame him for having frustration. No. My, my issue is that with Kenny Young, he's good in a very certain aspect of it, and it's just not the best – complimentary skill set to Baron Browning and looking at it with the new coaching staff, the scheme, obviously that can change so much of it, but with Baron Browning next to him, you, you need a guy who can help cover for the mental aspect of it, who can help bring him along a little bit. And Josie Jewell, he's the most instinctive, natural, smart linebacker the Broncos have. And it's not a, not a knock on Alexander Johnson. He is so good at what he does. It's just everything he does is just coming downhill and it's such a great and so good at that, but Baron Browning does that almost as good at him as him and offers far more upside in um, coverage. So, yeah. Um, I mean, I just, I just go, uh, Josie Jewell over it. I know that some believe that AJ Johnson, uh, Alexander Johnson's the best linebacker Denver has, but he really isn't. And the biggest reason for that is his play in coverage outside of the jets game. I think this year he has been, extremely bad in coverage and it's just much the same next year he has about one good game a year in coverage um the texans game that first year um i can't remember what game it was last year and then the jets game this year 
Sucks he got hurt and it's going out that way, but uh, it is what it is. Was that not the Chargers game last year? The Chargers game week five where they actually inserted him, or am I a year too soon? I can't remember the exact timing of that. Week five against the Chargers, I remember he had a really good game, an interception in the in the end zone as well. Regardless, uh, Andrew Baker jumping in here. Uh, well, at least we might see the Cowboys beating the Chiefs, the Bengals beating the Raiders, and possibly the Steelers beating the Chargers. Hashtag mile high huddle for life. Um, yeah, I mean – the Broncos are far from eliminated in, in this race. Uh, yeah, we're going into the bye at 5-5, five and five, coming off a very disappointing loss at home against the, the Philadelphia Eagles. There's some great statistics rolling around out there from Andrew Mason, um, Ben Albright, Ryan Edwards, like all the all the guys in the Denver media. I think Mason was the one that said um, that in the last two seasons, over 13 home games, the Broncos have now seven double-digit losses at home. I mean, and the Philadelphia Eagles was the seventh one. They've never had that happen to them since the 1960s. Like, this is a long-standing tradition of the Broncos being better than that at home. And it's very disappointing to see this team that everyone thought, you know, had a playoff-caliber roster, so long as the quarterback play was good. We're not going to get into that tonight. But so long as the defense held up, the quarterback play was just okay, and they didn't have a whole bunch of turnovers, this team could be a, a playoff team. They, they've beaten the teams that they should have beaten other than the Philadelphia Eagles, but at five and five, they've got a long ways to go. Fortunately for them, the AFC West is also a dogfight right now. The Chiefs are not what they used to be. It might be turning around here soon. Um, the Chargers aren't the, you know, they're the paper tigers that everyone thought that they were coming into the season. They still just haven't come quite to form under Brandon Staley. And the Raiders are a dumpster fire. You never know what you're going to get with those guys, especially after the Henry Rugg situation, especially with Damon Arnett, John Gruden. Everything is, uh, you know, just going the wrong way for the Raiders. The Broncos are not out of this. And if, if the AFC West loses, they're still right up there to be able to take this division. Eric, I mean, is it far-fetched to see this team make a run at the playoffs still? Yes, because the coaching's bad. <laughs> um, this was a team that was designed to win with their defense, a strong, great defense. Mm -hmm. I mean, top five defense. That was all we heard, at least top five defense. Yeah, they're not even close to that. Um, strong rushing attack. It's been really inconsistent. Last two weeks, it's been better, but, I mean, it didn't do much to help them beat the Eagles, and coaching's been bad. The play of the quarterback isn't good enough to overcome these other issues, which we all knew that Teddy Bridgewater wasn't named the starter to go out there and win the Broncos games. He was to go out there and help them keep them from losing games. And, right. like, thing is, like, when you get behind, he's not the guy to come back and win. That's the main point there, which is why you need that strong defense and that strong rushing attack. Um. They're not making a change at quarterback. You can argue what you want about that. Um, this this is a team that they're just stuck because of coaching. Like, tell that changes. And Vic Fangio, he's a great defensive mind. But the thing with head coaches, as we transition to the second part of this topic, you want with the head coach is you don't want a guy. Really, you don't want a play caller. Like that's becoming more and more problematic. I know there's some great ones out there, and there are definitely exceptions to it. But more and more, the rule is your head coach being the play caller for whatever side of the ball is go not going to pan out. Um, Kyle Shanahan, he's potentially getting fired after this year in San Francisco because there are a lot of issues in there. Um, it's one of those situations where I'll believe it when I see it, but there is a more like multiple San Francisco media guys talking about how Kyle Shanahan's possibly on his way out because the locker room's becoming a cancer, how he doesn't connect with players. All these things that we heard with Josh McDaniels years ago, yep. we're hearing with Kyle Shanahan now. A lot of people view that that su Super Bowl run was a kind of a fluke season for them. Um, so there's just a lot of issues there. You, and with with this, is you want guys 
who can be hands off, let their coordinators go out there and do their jobs, and um, and just kind of take a step back, manage the team, not your side of the ball. And that's the issue with Vic Fangio. We knew that almost right away yep. that he's too hands on with the defense. It's led to multiple time um, to clock multiple time issues. Like it's just so so bad. Um, that's one of the reasons why I think one of my favorite coaching options is Leslie Frazier from the Buffalo Bills. Sean McDermott, he stepped in, and while they they run his defense, he doesn't have much to do with it, really. He lets Leslie Frazier handle the defense. Leslie Frazier handles the play calls. I mean, he's part of making the game plan, as all head coaches would be. He's also part of it with the offense. Um, that's about as hands-on as you want to be. You don't want a micromanager at head coach. It doesn't bode well. But, and Leslie Frazier, as I said, I think he's learned from that. When he was the head coach in, Min- in Minnesota, that was part of the problem was he was a little bit of a micromanager. Um, according to multiple reports from that, but uh, hopefully he's learned and hopefully he's improved. And I think that he's earned a shot because that Buffalo Bills defense is outstanding. And they just, he, in that scheme, I hope he brings it with him. They just do such a good job of putting players to their best chance to succeed. Well, it's such a hybrid front too. They, I mean, they, they do run a lot of two deep stuff, but the, there's some the rotational cover three stuff there. They, they, he just puts his players in the right places. Uh, we're going to get back to that conversation really fast, but uh, I want to grab this from Colby uh, throwing some stars up, man. We appreciate that. Uh, nothing to say, just showing some love. Uh, Peter Middleton throwing some more stars as well. What's gone wrong on the defense. Uh, why such a difference to the expectations at the start of the season? Um, I'm going to start off on this one. I personally believe that it's a lack of the pass rush getting home, quite honestly. The the secondary is not playing great. There's a lot of miscommunications in the back end. And the highest paid secondary, you shouldn't have that. However, and you can you can blame it on, you know, um, Bradley Chubb being hurt, Von Miller not being effective, uh, the leak read, Jonathan Cooper, you know, it's getting a little bit better. And those guys, those young guys are starting to develop. Von Miller obviously is not here anymore. Um but you've got to be able to create pass pressure. You can't let these quarterbacks just pick your defense apart. And the, the lack of communication and deep shots is Kareem Jackson and Justin Simmons just don't seem to be in sync on the back end of the secondary. It, but to me, it, it all begins. Vic Fangio likes to drop as many guys into covers as humanly possible, get seven guys back, win with four. And they're not getting enough pass pressure, enough consistent pass pressure on a week in and week out basis to make Vic Fangio's defense work the way that it's supposed to. Eric, am I completely wrong in that thinking? No, I mean, lack of pass rush is an issue with it. Malik Reed, he's not good. If the coverage doesn't hold up, he's not going to get a pressure. Um, he's the coverage sack master, and that's about all he can bring. Mm-hmm. Um, Jonathan Cooper is super inconsistent. I mean, we know he had that huge game against the who was initially the backup right tackle that got thrust into the starting job at right tackle, then moved over and Terrence Steele against the Cowboys. A lot of people want to jump on that, but I mean, you need to take that performance with a grain of salt. Stefan Weatherly, he's all right in small doses. Um, none of the three are great against the run, which is a big issue for edges. That's such an underappreciated aspect of Von Miller's game. Um, that is a very large issue with this defense. Um, I think it goes a lot deeper than that. I think it, there's a lot of scheme, schematic issues here. Yeah. Um, starting with the fact that this really isn't Vic Mangio's scheme that they're running. No. Um, not where he made his bread and butter anyways, that uh, some additions to the squad forced multiple major changes to it, and it's just kind of consistently trying to take square pegs and fit them into round holes, and it's just not working. Um, so many issues with this defense. I mean, you, you for all of it, I mean, there's execution problems as well. Um, on the defensive line in particular, talking about the scheme, um, the schematic issues with it, 
Um, we know Shelby Harris can't two gap yet. He's been asked to two gap quite frequently. Mike Purcell, who should be two gapping, one gapping and leaving a huge void, which is opening major lanes in the running game. Draymond Jones is the only guy on the defensive front um, seven now who's been playing at a consistent level. And quite frankly, he really should be in the running for a Pro Bowl, but he won't get it because he doesn't have the stats for it. Um, so many issues with this defense. It's just not clicking. It's not working. And with that defense supposed to be the bread and butter of Vic Fangio, um, it's one of the reasons why he's got to go. It's one of the reasons why we got to get a new coach in here. Somebody earlier said that, why are we talking about replacements for him when he hasn't been fired? Well, he wasn't, it's not going to like, he's going to get fired in the season. Earliest, earliest Vic Fangio will get fired is after week 15 with the new rule changes that allow teams to start having virtual meetings for head coaches. As long as the job is opening or the guy's on an expiring contract, that'll be the earliest we see Vic Fangio fired. So they can sit there and jump into that early. Um, they don't have a guy they want to view on the, on their coaching staff as an interim to potentially audition for the job. They don't have that guy. Um, but Vic Fangio, it's, I doubt they'd make a run for the playoffs. That's the only way he could possibly stay. So, yeah, I think that Vic Fangio is on his way out. And just so many issues for a guy on the in his bread and butter aspect, basically. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't disagree with you at all. And a big part of the reason why we're having this conversation, and Eric, I wanted to put this into our group chat, but not uh, I ended up not doing it. Uh, this is the bye week, guys. The bye week blues, man. We need something fun to talk about. And everyone – I mean, it doesn't necessarily matter. Everyone has an, an issue with this coaching staff, whether it's Pat Shermer, whether it's Ed Donatel or Pat Shermer, Tom McMahon. So it's like someone has an issue with somebody. It doesn't matter who you are. There is somebody out there that says, you know what, this, this coach needs to be replaced. So that's what we're doing for you guys. We're going to have some fun with this. It's not necessarily going to happen right now. It's not going to happen tomorrow. It's not going to happen next, next week. And exactly like Eric said, it's probably not going to even happen until the end of the season. I mean, the, the George Payton came into this, and this has been widely reported, that uh, George Payton came into the season, kept the status quo, and said, you guys have a playoff mandate. I'm going to get you the best roster that you guys can get. And you have to make the playoffs. And if you don't make the playoffs, then we're going to move on. We're going to go in a different direction. And for all of the love about, you know, George Payton taking this job because of Vic Fangio, yeah, I do think that that was true. However, when the results on the field don't match the conversations that are being that are being had behind closed doors, it starts to sour a relationship. Now, Tom Pelissero, this is where I we, we came with the conversation. Tom Pelissero the other day actually released a list that he's been doing for the last about five years um, That's that highlights a bunch of young candidates that are going to – you know what, before we get into this, base Gates jumping in here with the $5 super. Uh, for the next head coach, does this team need an experienced head coach like a Dan Quinn, Doug Peterson, or should we be targeting a young offensive guy like a uh, Kellen Moore or Brian Dable? This is actually really fun. So uh, – Tom Pelissero wrote this piece the other day for the NFL, uh, NFL.com and was highlighting a bunch of guys that specifically qualified them as the young up-and-coming coordinators or coaches in the league that are 45 years old or under. So specifically going into guys like, you know, Nathaniel Hackett, the offensive coordinator of the uh, the Green Bay Packers, Kellen Moore as well. Um, it, but it, it really did exclude guys like, um, what's his name, Eric Bieniemy and – Quite honestly, a guy that you have on this list, Brian Dable. Brian Dable's 46 years old, so he didn't necessarily fit the qualifiers. However, Eric, you kind of mentioned this just a little bit. What exactly are you looking for in a head coach, specifically to base Gase's question here? Um, It's difficult because everybody gets so hung up on offensive or defensive side and either retread or no retread. Um, 
I don't care. Can the guy do the job? That should be the first most important aspect of it. Um, there's instances of those young, hot offensive coordinators coming in and not working. There's instances of them coming in and working. It's multiple instances of retreads working out and instances of them not. Bill Belichick was a retread. Most of the Broncos coaches throughout history have been retreads. Um, the one time they went with the young, hot offensive guy, it was Josh McDaniels. Um, I don't care. Can they come in? Can they keep all the personalities? Even though it's not bad personalities, there's a lot of um, big personalities in the Broncos locker room. Can they keep in check? I think that was a big issue for Vance Joseph. Um, the guy I like the most, as I said earlier, is Leslie Frazier. Um there's a lot of talk about Dan Quinn, and the biggest reason why Dan Quinn makes sense for the Broncos is they'll probably use that to try to entice Russell Wilson to want to come to the Broncos. That's yep. probably the biggest thing there. Kellen Moore, uh, guys you mentioned, I doubt he's leaving Dallas. Brian Dabble, um, I I'd love to see him. I like what he can bring, um, but uh, I just don't think that I don't think that Denver's a place that he wants to go. I think he wants somewhere that has a quarterback. Yeah. I don't just necessarily disagree with you. And to me, I don't think Kellen Moore is going to be available, guys. Uh, there's Jerry Jones lock him up with a deal that'll yep. pay him head coach type money, and then promise him the head coaching gig here in a year or two after um, Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy, thank you, um, is done. Only one that Mike, the Mike that was coming to mind was Mike McDaniel, but that has something to do with Denver. Yeah, and that's actually a young offensive coordinator. I believe he's the offensive coordinator in San Francisco right now, isn't he? Yep. Or is and he the quarterback's coach? The chair. Oh, that's right. Okay, so there's a definitely a name that you could uh, think about. Uh, everyone wants this Shanahan West Coast system because it's the in vogue offensive system. Russell I mean, Wilson. Yeah, so does Russell Wilson. There you go. So does Aaron Rodgers because look at who his offensive coordinator in Green Bay is right now, and Nathaniel Hackett, who is a Kyle Shanahan offshoot. Same with his head coach right now in Matt LaFleur. So um, you've got Mike LaFleur, who is the offensive coordinator in New York. Uh, Sean McVay, obviously the, the famous head coach for the Los Angeles Rams right now. He's a Kyle Shanahan shoot-off. Uh, like the Shanahan coaching tree definitely has a lot of people that are intrigued by that, and they want to bring that kind of an offensive system into it. However, to me, as far as you know, uh, what it means to be a head coach, and Eric, you touched on it just a little bit earlier, and I want to get back to it. Being a head coach is not a guy that is an, an X's and O's kind of guy. Sure, bring your system, but find a guy to delegate the responsibilities. And that's one of the biggest failures that Vic Fangio has as a head coach is he doesn't delegate the responsibilities down underneath him enough. He's too much of a micromanager specifically on the defense, and he doesn't pay attention enough to the offensive side of the football. We all already know that. So you need to find a guy, and everyone's going to hate me for saying this, but a leader of men. Everyone, you remember you know, Vance <laughs> Joseph a couple of years ago. He was a leader of men. He delegated responsibilities. He was a good job. He connected well with his players. Okay, well, he just had no idea what he was doing, and that didn't actually work out. However, there's guys like Dan Quinn, who Eric, you mentioned earlier, who's a guy that everybody knows flamed out as the head coach in Atlanta. But does everyone remember the full context behind him actually getting fired in Atlanta? It was, <laughs> I think it was 2019. There was talks about him getting fired. And then he went into 2020 as the head coach because the rest of his team literally came to bat for him and said, no, give him another shot. We want to continue playing for this guy. He hasn't lost us. He hasn't, he doesn't deserve. We haven't played well enough for him. That's the guy that we want to play for. Bring him back. Then it ended up turning out that the Falcons were terrible, got ravaged by injuries and Dan Quinn was fired halfway through the season. But 
the overlying theme here is you want a guy that it can lead guys, delegate some responsibilities, and his players want to get motivated for a guy that wants to come out and you know fire your guys up a little bit, get them focused, get them ready in their game plans, delegate the responsibilities, let the other coaches do what they're supposed to do, coach the coaches, and lead the team as a whole, not one half of the team or the other. That's to me what you got to look at, and Dan Quinn is a very intriguing option for that. And uh, Scott um, in the background says, uh, "said uh, take a look at the Falcons roster. Right, really yeah. want to blame Dan Quinn." And that was actually the point I was getting ready to make. Is like Dan Quinn had Dan Quinn had his issues. There is no doubt about that. The cover three system that he implemented, which was the hot commodity in the NFL there for a while, flamed out relatively quickly. And now that he got fired, now that he moved to Dallas, guess what? He moved away from it. He's leading in, I believe, the NFL in man one and cover zero, I believe. Or man one and uh, I can't remember what they are. He, he's It's not cover three. Um, he completely changed the system. Like He's got some talent and he's showing how he that he knows how to use it. That Falcons roster was terrible. And uh, one thing, too, is that in, in my opinion, watching the Falcons, which I didn't watch them super closely, was that the guys that the, they they did bring in on the defense didn't fit that cover three scheme that he wanted to run, mm-hmm. and he just wasn't super willing to go away from that. Um, now that he's changed it, as, look, he's still not my top guy, but I still wouldn't mind it. As I said, Leslie Frazier is my top guy. Um, Peter Milton, I think, asked me why. Um, yeah, he did. I got everybody's right asking here. about that. Yep. It was Peter Milton. Oh, the biggest reason why is that. The, I think he's learned a lot under Sean McDermott, even though he's older. I think he's really learned how to better use players to their max, to have such an adaptive scheme to fit your players and allow your players to do all sorts of different stuff that they can sit there and mi- uh, mix and match and make it work. And I learned, I believe that he's learned how to delegate. Um, Dennis Allen is another name that I wouldn't mind. I see him uh, jumping around there. I wouldn't mind Dennis Allen either, um, especially seeing how everything's gone down with, the Raiders since then, yep. um, he, he really was one of the, the better coaches for them. They just had so many other issues that he exactly. couldn't overcome it. And that's that's one thing with all these guys. I mean, we're starting to see Vance Joseph's name going out there. I mean, obviously not for Denver, but his name's going back out there. Todd Bowles is another one. I don't mind the idea of a retread that's on the defensive side of the ball. It's not a big deal to me. I don't care if you're a retread or not. It's just not a thing, not a factor I look at for it. There's so many other factors that uh, that I'm looking at for a head coach. That's like way down the list for me. Yeah, and Todd Bowles is an interesting one, especially with what he did last year in that playoff stretch, getting that defense rounded into form, using his linebackers a lot specifically. I mean, Devin White, Levante David, what they were able to do in the Super Bowl. I'm not going to say that they shut down Travis Kelsey, but they did a really good job of at least trying they to They limited the him. impact of exactly. him. Exactly. That's it. He had what 11 catches for 130 yards, didn't get into the end zone and those the, the they didn't allow him to have the big catches, the big explosive plays over the middle of the field, which has actually turned into a blueprint. And quite honestly, if you want to talk about the blueprint, the Broncos actually laid out that blueprint that Todd Bowles copied and then employed in the in the Super Bowl with better personnel all the way around the all the way across the field, specifically at the linebacker position. Todd Bowles is a very intriguing one to me. 
He's never been a guy that players want to give up on. He's, he's always had terrible rosters. When he was in the New York Jets, he had a terrible team. When he was in when when he was in Arizona, that defense was terrible. He didn't have the, the horses that could actually run the scheme he wanted to. He's got guys now. And the Broncos have a litany of players that they could actually have with a Todd Bowles type that he could come in, develop a scheme, and be that leader of men, bring that scheme with him, bring in uh, whoever is the secondary coach, whatever young and up-and-coming defensive mind that he has to follow him, employ that scheme. I don't want to sound it, make it sound like the same thing as Vic Fangio because Todd Bowles already has that experience as a head coach. He understands what it's like to be that, to be the delegator and to be that leader to come out on the field, get your guys ready to go, and, and lead the team as a whole. I do like Todd Bowles. The one that really I want the most, though, and you're, I'm going to get slammed for this one. And it goes back to the Dan Quinn conversation. But you know what? Daryl Bevel, that's the guy that I think is is a, another good – it's going to be a first-time uh, head coach job. He was, a, he was an interim head coach. I believe it was in Detroit last season. Uh, was an interim head coach. Actually kind of pulled that team around just a little bit. He's not doesn't have the greatest offensive scheme, but he definitely understands what it's like to work with and groom and develop a quarterback. And there's one specifically that he groomed and developed up in the Pacific Northwest that might be able to come to Denver next season. Russell Wilson, that might be the bigger draw for for um, Russell Wilson is to come and work with his offensive coordinator, the guy that groomed him and made him into a top five quarterback in the NFL. Daryl Bevel, that's my guy. And then Michael Lazarus says, whoever is our next head coach, we need a strong leader who knows offense or defense. Like, I don't care. As long if you hire a defensive guy, get the right offensive coordinator. Like, it, which side of the ball? doesn't matter to me. I mean, that's why you have coordinators. Um, But talking about Russell Wilson, I, so Bevel, the, the one thing with him that just rubs me the wrong way is a play that everybody knows, a decision that everybody knows, that whole Super Bowl sequence. Like, yeah. that That's one thing that will always just rub me the wrong way with him. Um, But I had somebody come in and ask about, jumping back a little bit in this conversation, going back to Patrick, the big news, and what it means for Cortland Sutton. Had somebody ask about what it means for Cortland Sutton. Um, I think that he's still in Denver next year, either franchise tagged or extended. I don't think he's on his way out. I don't think Denver wants to move on from him. Him and uh, him and Patrick have similarities, but they both also offer enough enough up to be used differently. Um, Corlin Sutton has been one of the fastest players this year. Um, he's clocked out over like twenty two miles per hour, like three or four times on plays. Mm-hmm. Um, he's really improving his route running. He's getting open and getting a lot of separation more frequently. Um, so you can use it. They're similar, but they're not exactly the same player. Um, and I mean. You want talent, you want complimentary skill sets, and with that, you can use them in a complimentary way. I don't think he's gone. Now going back, I, I don't disagree with you. I just wanted to give a shout out to Travis Weber, who was the the question that you were answering. I believe is is the right yeah. one. Uh, shout out to Travis, and thank you for joining us, buddy. Um, I I actually agree with you one hundred percent. You can you can have two guys with similar skill sets and still be able to employ them in different ways. Um, mm-hmm. Cortland Sutton, I believe as great as he is on the outside, I think that there's some misuse with him quite honestly, um, because he does have the size. He does have the speed. He does have the athleticism and the the good route running. And he's become a, a much better route runner uh, specifically over the last couple of seasons. This year doesn't necessarily show it because he's working through that ACL tear, but I want to see more Cortland Sutton in the slot. I want to see him working over the middle of the field a little bit more and, and using that big body 
over the middle. Like, quite honestly, that to me is a is a big misuse of his talents. And I understand you want to have some speedy guys. You want to have guys that can work a little bit better in open space and extend the play after the catch and stuff like that. But when you get that big body, that big open target over the middle of the field, and if you can just get the ball to him and get him incorporated more in the passing game that way, where, where you're not looking at the deep shots and the deep in routes and stuff like that that they've been working with him all season long, I want to see some more of that. I really do. And Tim Patrick, you can work in that same way. But if you put Tim Patrick on the outside, on the boundary, on the line of scrimmage, you put uh, Cortland Sutton in the slot, and you work with them the same side of the field and let them work together, that might be an advantageous uh, situation for the Broncos and then have Jerry Judy on the backside of that, someone with some speed to take the top off the defense. You can work with Tim Patrick and Cortland Sutton in the same aspect on the same side of the field, and that to me is a big misuse of the personnel by by Pat Shermer. Eric, am I I wrong there? I mean, you can – I mean, they've done that. It's just something that you don't do super frequently. Um, when it comes to passing concepts, I mean, there's a bunch of different changes, a bunch of variety with what you're throwing out there. And I mean, we've seen it. It's just, uh, see what's going to, um, see what's going to happen. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's tough. I think the one who's being misused the most is Noah Fant. And I think Corlin Sutton with always been used is fine because it's just been such a good mixture of it. Um, moving back to the quarterback conversation as David Wilder comes in with some stars. And I sometimes wish we could fast forward to the end of the season so we could get our new coach. Um, yeah, I definitely agree with you. I mean, um, it, it'd be nice. I, we know it's not working, so time to move on. Um, Ashish comes in saying, sometimes I feel I should have kept Rex Gangarello. Drew Locke was playing much better with him. They were making each other better. Um, that's no. Like, Rex Gangarello was terrible. Um, I mean, you can go back and you can watch the tape. Drew Locke did fine on the scripts, but once they went off of it, it was terrible. Rex Gangarello wasn't a good offensive coach. He was super stubborn. He caused a lot of issues behind the scenes, especially with the veteran coaches on it because he wouldn't do follow game plans that they set up. So they would spend the week practicing certain running concepts and then go away from it, which put the offensive line at a disadvantage. Um, so many issues with him. Like It's just great that he's he's gone. I mean, the offense, sure, Drew Locke looked fine under it, but it was an offense that just cut the field in half, made forced Drew Locke to make one read and go from there. It's just Rex Gangarella wasn't the answer. And the biggest thing is that you shouldn't have had a rookie head coach. And this is on Ella. You shouldn't have a, had a, a rookie head coach with a rookie offensive coordinator at the same time when your head coach was a defensive minded guy. Like it's just, it was a recipe for disaster. Um, and then Travis Weber came in with some stars saying, Teddy, I know he's built something with Judy, but he seems to have gone away from Sutton. Um, there's a lot of variables in play. I mean, he hasn't gone away from him. Sutton still made plays. It's just going to come in bunches, which sometimes happens with receivers, especially when you have a talented uh, crew. Anyways, going back to this, I saw a bunch of people talk about Eric Bynamy. Um, I think it's pretty safe no. to say that he is not going to be the guy in Denver. No. Um, there's legal issues time, coming from his time when he was with the Colorado Buffaloes. He's just not going to be in Denver. Now, going back to it, kind of switching off a little bit here, um, talking about offense coordinators and how for the head coach, you really got to have the right hires. Um, and a couple names, I mean, Leslie Frazier is going to be the one I'm going to really focus on here. I think that the coaching staff around him is pretty simple. Um, if you really want to go to a West Coast-style offense, since you have a veteran guy on uh, veteran co- head coach with Leslie Frazier who's had that experience before, um, 
than Mike McDaniels. Um, if you, mm-hmm. you're bringing in somebody from that West Coast style system, then there you go. Go bring him in. I think that he's got a um, much brighter future in front of him than Rick Scangarello yeah. does. Um, he doesn't seem to have much issues. He's not as egotistical as Rick Scangarello was. Part of that is because of the past of uh, Mike McDaniels. Um, he's definitely had to claw his way up, overcome some issues that he's had in his uh, in his past, in his private life. Um, so I think that would be one way to go. And then bringing over John Butler from the, the secondary coach of the Buffalo Bills with him because that secondary in Buffalo has been so good, and he does such a good job of bringing out the best of players in that secondary. With Leslie Frazier, I would really like that. If you want to look at Todd Bowles, I see a lot of talk about Byron Leftwich. I don't think yeah. that Byron Leftwich will leave for a lateral job. I think he'll be looking at a head coach job, but he's the offense coordinator there. And the offense, he's in charge of it. Bruce Arians helps oversee it, but it's really it's Bruce Arians' scheme, but Byron Leftwich is the one who's able to charge it, be in charge of it. And the biggest thing with the offensive success of the Buccaneers last year, that was because of Byron Leftwich. Yes. Because he was told by Bruce Arians, by Tom Brady, here, go figure some stuff out that Tom Brady can do and make it work. And that's really brought about the changes. They still threw in a bunch of Bruce Arians concepts in there, but it was the changes that he made um, that were great for them. Um, Kevin Booker came in, uh, I believe it was your birthday recently. Yeah. If I saw that right. Thursday. Um, Happy late birthday, birthday, Kevin. Um, He says, who's good young coach like Kellen Moore that no one is talking about? Um, That no one's talking about. I think the closest to that would be Nathaniel Hackett, but he's been getting a pretty good amount of love too. Um, Byron Leftwich, he's not, he's hardly getting any talk. And I think that of the three, I think I would take Byron Leftwich over Kellen Moore and Nathaniel Hackett personally. So there's another one that just came up with the uh, um, from LSU, uh, Panthers offensive coordinator Joe Brady. And Eric, I know you're going to slap me in the face for saying that, but that's that young and up and coming offensive coordinator. He's 32 you years old. You don't want Joe Brady until he learns how to practice red zone situations. This is very true. Um, the, let's see here. I actually got this this pulled up from uh, from Tom Pelissero, uh, the the Chiefs quarterback coach and passing game coordinator Mike Kafka. He's 34 years old, a former NFL quarterback. He's doing a really good job with Pat Mahomes and working with that. Um, he also was a part of the coaching staff with Alex Smith a couple of years ago. You also have, let's see here, Kellen Moore, uh, Rams offensive coordinator Kevin O'Connell, who I believe he was a former quarterback as well in the NFL. This is his third year as an offensive coordinator, seventh year as an NFL head coach or NFL coach. And uh, he has an interim play calling sit in Washington in 2019 before he joined Sean McVay's staff in Los Angeles. Um, and then there's two young guys that are widely considered to be um, great. Uh, well, I guess Matt Campbell's not necessarily in an offensive mind. He's more defensive mind. But Matt Campbell from Iowa State is a guy that has been widely considered for a long time as an NFL head coach, and they need to make the move from Iowa State to the NFL. But the other one, and this is, I mean, everyone's dream candidate, Lincoln Riley, that guy knows how to develop quarterbacks, man. If there's there's any university right now that has been a quarterback university, going back to Baker Mayfield, going through Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts, now they've got Spencer Rattler who fell off a cliff this year, but Caleb Williams as well. Lincoln Riley, man, that guy has an eye for quarterback talent. Eric, is it possible if he makes a jump coming to – or is he going to go to LSU? I don't think Matt Campbell or Lincoln Riley are coaching at their current colleges this year, but I don't think they're in the NFL. Um, Lincoln Riley, I think, is more would be the one more likely to stay with the current college at Oklahoma. But, I mean, there is enough smoke there for LSU to make that connection. And um, 
I think Matt Campbell, I wouldn't be surprised to see him, you know, moving out west a little bit, um, going to get in some Huskies in his uh, future. Yeah. Roughing the passer jumping in here uh, with, a, with a question about a name that's been circulated around the Broncos and their head coaching decisions for the last since, well, Gary Kubiak retired, quite honestly. Uh, Dave Tobe, the special teams coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs. Eric, what do you think about Dave Tobe? Word is, is that he is such a terrible interviewer and that he just can't figure Thank out, you. like, um, how was it put? I mean, it was just after the Broncos interviewed him last time. Um, when they hired, I believe when they hired uh, Vance Joseph, that word yep. came out that he interviews terribly and he doesn't really have an idea of how to go and build a team for towards the future or something along the lines of that. I, I can't remember fully, but um, it was, it was he's, got, he's got great special teams units. I wouldn't mind taking his assistant away for special teams coordinator, oh, but uh, no. I think I kind of pass on him. No, stop. Don't you dare. The last time we took a special teams uh, assistant away from freaking uh, Dave Tobe in Kansas City, that was Brock Olivo with, with Vance Joseph. And the Broncos special teams unit in, those, in that year was like the worst special teams unit in, uh, as far as DVOA is concerned in like the last 20 years, dude. No, absolutely not. <laughs> it's Dave Tobe or nobody. Please just stop that nonsense. <laughs> Uh, no, it, it, it's not only Dave Tobe too. It's it's Eric Bieniemy as well. Like Eric Bieniemy does not interview well. That's been widely reported as well. When he interviewed for the Atlanta Falcons job, he actually showed up to the interview with a notebook and a pencil and was taking notes at the interview, asking questions more than he was answering them. Like Eric Bieniemy, for as good as he does in Kansas City. He's carried a lot by Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, man. Like that, that's a guy and his 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 history with the with the Colorado Buffaloes, his history in Denver. I, I mean, no, that's that's a, a hard pass for me. I mean, <clears throat> oof, man, sorry, I didn't, didn't want. Oh, to we shouldn't take that, but... to, to your point. We shouldn't take Mike McDaniel's because Rick Scangarello, right? No, God, no. I don't. I I disagree with that. I I. I but you just said we shouldn't take Andy Hill because we took Brock Olivo. Well, that's that's fair. I was I was see, 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 that's I, your logic I, right there. I, no, I was, that's what I'm calling you. I was making a joke. I was making a joke more than anything. The last time we took a we, the last time we took a guy was Brock Olivo, and he wanted 22 Janos, which I don't necessarily disagree with him. But at the same time, he was he was just def, not good. So I I see where you're coming from. It was more in jest than anything. Um, yeah, roughing the passer comes in. He's like, I take Brock Olivo back just for the press conferences because yeah. I mean, uh, the, the 22 channels, Tom McMahon though, Tom McMahon has some really good pe press conferences. What does he say? The, uh, the diesels are off the field. It's all Ferraris now or something like that. And uh, I, th I think Brock Olivo has done well for himself. He's currently coaching the Lagio ducks in Italy. <laughs> Sorry. I was just kind of curious where he ended up. Uh, anyway, <laughs> it's off the rails. I thought he was still in the NFL. No, Brock Olivo was terrible. I would still think of Sean on Andy Hill though. Um, especially with some stuff that's coming out about with them, how Andy Reid has kind of tried to, um, what's the right word, pull um, Tube away from the special team side of things to try to help him grow for a head coach candidacy and put a lot more pressure on Andy Hill, which wasn't the case when Denver hired Brock Oliva, by the way. That's part of the reason why I'd be okay with doing that. I mean, Brock Oliva obviously leaves a bad taste in your mouth, but right, it is what it is. <laughs> All right, let's see here. Let's run through the comments really fast, see if we can grab some more conversation here. Um, kind of winding down here. Got about 10 minutes or so before we're going to have to get out of here. Um, let's see here. 
Brian Dable is a Josh Allen dependent, pretty much no running game. This is an interesting conversation. I'm going to start it off here really fast. Um, part of the reason why Brian Dable is as, as hot of a name as he is is because of what he did with Josh Allen to develop him from a guy that was a 56% passer at the University of Wyoming to now being a 67% passer for the Buffalo Bills turned him into a MVP candidate, and it was all by being patient with him. They let him use his legs. They simplified the game down. They developed that offense for Josh Allen to run the offense the way that they they, they do now, quite honestly. However, you're absolutely right. They have gone away from the running game, and Brian Dable is a big fault of that. I mean, what was it? They had like 10 rushing attempts a couple weeks ago in a full game. It, it's not very good. They made Josh Allen throw the ball like 47 times and ran the ball 10. It's and, and they're using Josh Allen as a runner because their running backs are just not very good. It's, Brian Dable's an interesting conversation, and you bring up some interesting points here. Eric, what do you think about that? Well, I think that, the, I mean, there's definitely issues with the Bills rushing attack. Um, in Rush EPA, they're 30th. But, I mean, their running back room is terrible. Like, it is terrible um so i mean like you want to go and you want to give him a little bit better of a running game i mean i wouldn't say that he's josh allen dependent but it definitely helps mm -hmm. um but you just got to be able to have a uh have better running backs around him too um devin zingletary zach moss they're not good which is true um real quick before we move on i want to say malcolm brown says it was minus nine at the river this morning turn up the heat Okay, yeah, it was negative 30 when my wife – or negative 13 when my wife got up, and my office has no circulation whatsoever. I currently have four blankets wrapped around me that you guys just can't see. Before we actually went live, I had to throw off a blanket off me so I could actually see. <laughs> my office is so cold. I took a temperature in here. It's actually negative 6 in my office right now. Wow. And it's actually colder in my office than it is outside at the moment because it's only negative 2 outside. <laughs> That's wild, dude. It was 10 degrees when I woke up this morning. Alaskans are crazy people, man. You are. You all are. <laughs> why would you why would you deal with like three hours of sunlight during the winter and negative 30 degrees when you wake up, man? Yo, Peter, that's <laughs> a blockable offense, man. <laughs> it's 95 degrees out in Cambodia, man. Dude, stop. Just stop. Like I said, it was it was 10 degrees when I woke up this morning. Joe, thank you, man. We appreciate you. Uh, it was it was 10 degrees when I woke up this morning, and it got to about 25 degrees today here in Wyoming. So, uh, yeah, we're working very close. But Joe uh, says comes and says, "Great show, guys." Joe, we we appreciate you, man. Uh, he's got some stars attached to that as well, and we we appreciate you for for all you guys' support, and Joe especially for for his, his wonderful comment. Uh, Gary jumping in here, he's got some stars on that one as well, I think. Right? Yep, he does have some stars. Uh, good pod. I will watch it from the beginning. Uh, well, thank you. We appreciate that. Unfortunately, you couldn't be here for the entire duration of the show. But Gary, you're one of the one of the big supporters of every single show, and especially the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. And we we really do appreciate you. Um, let's see here. So apparently, that was a lot of stars from Joe, is what Peter says. That was a lot of stars from Joe. Five dollars worth of stars. Uh, let's see here. Let's get back to the uh, get back to some uh, some props to Tim Patrick. Tim trade who Patrick? Props to Tim, uh, much deserved for him. Um, that was actually yeah, Eric. Now you, go ahead. Now go ahead. we know why Denver Denver had such a high value on him. They weren't going to move him for anything less than third round value. Um, now we know why. 
Yeah, exactly. And you're 100% correct on that because you think about the compensatory formula for um, for guys that sign a free agency and typically guys that sign double digit million dollar contracts are guys that end up with third round compensatory picks in the formula. Like that's that's where that lands, you know. So if they, they view a guy like Tim Patrick at three years, 30 million, that's $10 on an average per year basis. Uh, it's up to 11 and a half per year if he hits the full incentives and stuff like that they want they valued him at a third round pick and if teams were calling for a fourth and a fifth or whatever i mean that's that's why we didn't move him and it's to me the the only way i was really willing to move on from tim patrick in a trade like that was going to be for a quarterback like i wasn't a proponent of him of trading him in season um unless it was like at the trade deadline, you got that third round pick, but specifically it was uh, trading him in the off season for a guy like Aaron Rodgers or whatever you got to do. Um, it may be in the draft, something like that. So that's, that's it, a very astute point, Eric. Sorry. Rambling there um, for a second. <laughs> Kerry Kimmett said it's, it's been decent enough here in Denver Metro wise, weather or weather wise this year. Can't complain. I have attended two and still have two more to attend. Hey, when we were down there in Denver for the game, <laughs> I was complaining so much about the heat. Like I'm cold here in the my negative six office, but the 9500, like I would rather be cold all day, any day. Um, the whole saying is there's only you can only take off so many clothes before things get weird, um, but you can always put more clothes on. Like I don't know, I don't know. I used to go down to Colorado at uh, Grand Junction where my family's from every summer, and always the heat always drove me nuts. 100 degrees, like anything above 70 starts to give me issues. Um, part of it is I'm fat too, and so that just keeps crossing <laughs> you. Yeah. But um, like it's it's rough. But uh, thank you for joining us, Karen. And uh, yeah. with the rest, enjoy those other two games that you've had too. Hopefully, that the two you've been to are good. And hopefully, the next two are good games as well. As you said, what, what games you got? It's obviously uh, a pair, uh, probably a pair of AFC West tickets you've got, or do you have the uh, the Cincinnati? Uh, wait, no, Cincinnati's in Cincinnati, right? I believe so. I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's the, the Lions game. It's either the Lions game or, this, or this season's or been enough. Schedule just went. I know, I know right? I've I've, I've kind of lost it. And being being gone these last couple of weeks, you know, it's been been really weird. Like I haven't consumed as much Broncos football as I usually do. Um, I haven't got anything by the way, and I'm not going down anymore. We're done. We're kind of punting on the hunting situation here. So uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, punting on the hunting. It's it's not good. It was we got lots of opportunities. We we had some really good luck, saw a lot of animals, but we never got an opportunity to actually get something to pull the trigger on. So, <laughs> oh well, I guess we'll 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 try a little bit harder next season. Um, let's see here. Let's get back to the comment stream. And if not, hey, we only have a Quentin W. Carson coming. This is his first time hey. watching. You are great. Hey, thank you for joining us. Um, I mean, it's great to have you here. Great to see new people joining us all the time. Um. Glad you're liking it. I mean, typically we get hated, but hey, it's nice that you enjoy it. We try to have some fun here. Um, sometimes, sometimes Lance can get rather heated, but uh, it's all, it's typically a good. Wait, night what? I can get rather. That's not what I said. I'm sticking to it. <laughs> yeah, I swear to Quentin, don't listen to him. He's the guy. This guy here is the guy that gets heated. Well, I get heated too. It, it, yeah, it, it's kind of our deal. But welcome, welcome, and thank you for joining us, man. It's well, it, it's a pleasure to have you, and hopefully you come back next week. Every single Friday, Quentin, uh, Friday at six o'clock is when we do our show. So make sure you make sure you come back next week. We'll be expecting to see you. Uh, Karen Haynes jumping in, answering the questions. She's got Detroit and Kansas City. 
left on her docket. I, I'm jealous hey, of you for going to You're 2-0. Yeah. Hopefully you will go to 4-0 with those games, Karen. Yes. Yep. And, uh, man, that Jets game was awesome. That was the game that we got to go to. That was my yep. first game. Uh, any game for football. Like, it was so awesome. The the atmosphere, everything. It was super awesome. Um, if you were a follower of MHH back then, sucks we didn't get to meet you. We had actually a little uh, a tent out during tailgating, yeah. but yeah. Hope you enjoyed the hope you enjoyed that game, and I hope you enjoyed the last two as well. And again, I hope they get to four or no in games you attend. Uh, and thanks, Scott. Bengals are at home. Uh, but yes, no the the uh, the week three game at the Jets, man. It's been ten years since I've been to a Broncos game, and to, to first off to be able to go and sit and watch a game. And Eric and I had great conversation pretty much the entire time watching the game, seeing what we're seeing, you know, communicating back and forth. Uh, it was hotter than the places of hell that day. I got a, I got a really bad sunburn and Eric was complaining the entire time about how stinking hot it was. It was quite funny, but the, the meet and greet was great. Um, yeah, it was a great, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for you, Karen. Hopefully you have fun uh, at the Detroit and Kansas city games. Um, obviously go Broncos. I think with that guys though, um, Let's see. I'm going to run through the. Uh, she says she was almost late at the start of the uh, the Jets because a person with a fanny pack. Ah, yeah. Stadium security. Stadium security. Um, let's see here. Anything else that I can see, Eric? Are you seeing something you want to grab before we get out of here? No, I just gotta. Just want to ask one question for you. Of the everybody knows mine. My favorite candidate is Leslie Frazier. Who's yours? <sighs> I'm gonna do a cop out answer on you um and do two uh nope. one who is your favorite my favorite only one. one my favorite one. only one probably dan quinn probably because Rus- russell wilson the potential to bring him in Th- that and also um the the way that his players went to bat for him before he got fired in atlanta um, that's, that's a, a huge redeeming quality for me. Uh, a guy that, you know, your players don't want to see go. They, they, they literally went to bat for him. They were Cause our, uh, Arthur Blank was going to fire him and, uh, they, they were going to fire him at the end of that season. Matt Ryan and a whole bunch of players went and petitioned. They went to, to Arthur Blank and they said, no, we need to keep him around. He's a good coach. We're just not doing our jobs. Like they went to bat for him and ended up changing Arthur Blank's mind and brought him back. Like that to me is gigantic. He, he did a really good job delegating responsibilities. Uh, Thomas Dimitrov didn't do him any favors as far as um, bringing in good personnel to fit his schemes and stuff like that. They got ravaged by injuries on the offensive line. Um, specifically, um, they, they had Julio Jones and they were trying to figure out another weapon for him to have. Uh, Levine Toilolo and I, I believe it was Muhammad Sanu at the time were his, the, the other two receivers that they had. Um, this was before Calvin Ridley was involved. So it, it's to me, like that's, that's the guy that I really value and would be probably my number one candidate. And he's also worked with George Payton. He's been with George Payton before, I believe it was in Miami. Um, so they, they know each other. It's going to be a, a good working relationship. That's that's the guy that I and Leslie Frazier for you. That's that's a good shout too because he's worked with uh, with George Payton in Minnesota. So, yeah, I mean that that's my reasoning behind it. What what what, what specifically about Leslie Frazier is is the draw for you? I mean, it's similar stuff. When he was in Minnesota, their players constantly went to bat for him. Um, but I think that the issues that he had in Minnesota, I think it's been long enough. He's done his i mean he's done his work to work his way back up to getting a head coaching uh getting talked about as another head coach again um working under sean mcdermott 
I mean, this is a little bit of hope on my part that he's learned some stuff, learned how to delegate a little bit more, um, learning how to better u- utilize players to their strengths, things like that. But I just really like what he can bring to it. I love the fact that he was, um, again, same thing, like just players batting for him. And um, I don't think that while you don't get the um, the Russell Wilson pull as you do with, with him, I think that overall the unit that he's coaching, that unit he's leading is just perform far exceeding expectations this year. Um, and did so last year. And Sean McDermott has a big part of that, that big part of that, but a lot of it, most of it is Leslie Frazier. I mean, he's the one that's hands on with them. Yeah. No, I, and I, I don't disagree with you. He's actually coordinated a, a damn good defense. Um, they've got uh, Jordan Poyer at the safety position. Who's playing really well um, for Davis white. Who's playing really well at the cornerback position. They've got Matt Milano at the linebacker position. Who's playing really well, a handful of defensive linemen that he's turned around. AJ Epinesa is a great defensive yeah. line, defensive end. Like that, that, that Bill's defense is underrated for what they do. And they're very good. Very, very good. And they do a lot of what Vic Fangio was praised for doing is they yes. actually get a lot out of not so good players. I don't want to say bad players. Some of them are good. They get a lot out of them and yep. they know, I mean, they just know how to, or they know how to develop them. Like, I just want to bring that in there. I want to bring in um, Butler with him or um, the defensive line coach, Eric Washington, I think, who is, probably a top five defensive line coach in the NFL. I think John Butler is one of the the top five um, secondary coach. I would love to bring either of those guys as the defensive coordinator. Right. And then go after uh, Mike McDaniels for your offense coordinator or bring in um, all the name was right there on the tip of my tongue. Um, One of the Bills offensive guys who I think has a very bright future. And a lot of people are talking about him. If Brian Dabble leaves, as a replacement for him, but I just can't remember what his name is off the top. Yeah, of I'm, not, I'm not sure. I'm not familiar with that. Uh, Scott, we've got Peter jumping in here, asking for your pick. Drop it in the uh, private chat for me really fast, and we'll get back to that here in a second. But with that, guys, we're going to wrap it up tonight. We're at an hour and three minutes, so thank you all for joining the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. You guys can follow us on Twitter by finding me at SandersonMHH and for Eric at Eric Trickle. And guys, while you're at it, make sure you guys are following at DVD underscore pod to find out what we're talking about every single Friday. Um, also, guys, at Mile High Huddle, where you're going to get breaking news and analysis, uh, film breakdowns, amazing data pieces. Eric actually dropped a piece earlier today. Mm-hmm. It was a third down conversion piece talking specifically about where the fault lies for the Broncos struggles on third down. It goes into Teddy Bridgewater. I want to talk about that for a second. Just a quick second. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, so the article is about all the issues the Broncos are having on third down and what leads up to it. And basically it's saying that while Teddy Bridgewater is an issue on third down, there is no arguing that. There's plenty of blame that goes around to everyone. I did all this. All, there's a lot of data in the article. Make sure you go check it out. And I also did the article for last year, particularly a certain 12 games that a certain quarterback started. And you know what the results were, Lance? Identical? No. So the blame for this year is very widespread. There's multiple issues with right. it. Like, there's no doubt about it. Terry Washington issue. If you go and you narrow it and look at last year's data, all the same data it kind of focuses in focuses in on one specific part one specific position one specific player any guesses i'm certain he wears number 3 yeah drew lock um 
the a lot of the issues just fell on him. They had a lot more third and shorts. They had a lot more third and six or less. And honestly, through 10 games, Teddy Bridgewater and this Broncos offense has almost matched what Drew Locke had in 12 games of third third and seven or third and eight pluses. Almost identical through two more games. Um that's that's what I said. Almost identical because I, yeah. I know I know the numbers because I saw the right. article. I saw the the work that you put in, guys. Eric, I, I I complimented him earlier in our private chat on the article specifically itself, saying it was one of the best pieces I've seen in a while. And Eric said it was the most work that he's put into a piece in quite a while. Not to sort of slide on what you do because I know the work that you put in, but um, it's it's great, guys. It's absolutely fantastic. Find it milehighhuddle.com. Go there. It's on Twitter at milehighhuddle fantastic fantastic and all of you lot guys can feed me your hate i thrive <laughs> off of it <laughs> anyways guys uh let's, let's continue on with the matters of business facebook supporters go to facebook.com slash mile high huddle click the blue become a supporter button where you're going to get premium content like kelberman's corner you're going to get broncos book club with chad jensen you're also going to get trick uh, the trickle zone it's which throughout the season we're you're just breaking down the upcoming matchup you got something special for the bye week Honestly, I haven't thought about it. We had to cancel this last week because my daughter was sick and throwing up. Um, we should be back at one mountain time on Mondays, I think is the time now. Um, haven't thought about a topic. It'll probably be something draft related. Maybe okay. a uh, something mock drafty-ish. Gotcha. And you moved, the, you moved the day from the sound of it. You said Mondays, not Saturdays. It used to be noon on Saturdays. So It yeah. was moved from Saturdays because of my mom's health issues. Ah, gotcha. Okay. Well, that's duly noted, and I will remember that moving forward. Um, uh, Folks, if you guys are financially able and willing to do so, head on over to huddleuppod.com. Get your merch. Not the swag. Get your merch. Get yourself a hat. Get yourself a t-shirt. There's uh, there's a, a face mask. There's a hoodie, a coffee cup, onesie for your baby. There's Broncos, uh, Broncos for breakfast. You've got Building the Broncos, Dove Valley Deep Divers, Mile High Insiders, the Huddle Up Podcast, Mile High Huddle Gear, anything to suit your fancy, your favorite show, uh, your, your favorite podcast specialist, regardless huddleuppod.com that's where you're going to be able to get that and if you guys are not financially able to do so or just that's not your bag you know like that's not not your deal to go and buy merch and stuff like that if you're a, if, if you support the show if you love the show if you like what we're doing subscribe subscribe to mile high huddle on all platforms facebook youtube specifically twitter twitch um apple Podcasts, itunes spotify subscribe to mile high huddle that's where you're going to get all this content if you like it, 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 it like click that like button like that helps the algorithm. It gets more viewers in front of us. Um, it helps, you know, spread the love and get more Broncos fans involved. But if you love it, share it. Cause that's the most organic way you can help us grow the podcast without your guys' support. We couldn't do what we do best, which is cover your Denver Broncos. Now with that said, guys, I'm going to scan the comments cause we got a lot coming in here at the very end of this deal. Um, <laughs> Broncos, uh, Broncos zero by week 33. Ouch. <laughs> that's an ouchie, bro. If, if, be shocking. Well, if the if the Chiefs, Chargers, and Raiders win this week, yeah, that will be Broncos zero by week thirty three. You can you can definitely lose your bye week if your entire division wins all of their games that week and you fall another game back as well. Um, let's see here. Make sure you guys are following Scott as well at Scout Kennedy at Scout Kennedy. Um, does a, does a lot of great work. Obviously, he's the co-host of the uh, Broncos for Breakfast with Nick Kendall in the mornings on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I believe is what it is still. Um, 
Michael follows us. Michael follows everybody. Michael Ronquillo. Thanks. Shout out to Michael. Also, I love the DVDD hat, man. So, Eric, he didn't actually tag you. I'll tag you in it on, on Twitter. No, he, um, he's a, he tagged me as well. Oh, he did? Okay. I was going to say, because he uh, Michael Ronquillo just actually got a Dove LA Deep Divers hat and, put, and tagged a picture, put it on his Facebook. Um, I don't remember his Twitter handle, unfortunately. I'm sorry, Michael, for that. Uh, let's see here. I'm not seeing anything. Um anything pressing here so with that guys um eric any last words no i think we're good um everybody enjoy have a wonderful weekend enjoy the week off from broncos football i mean at least we won't don't have any disappointment for this week um so enjoy it we'll see you guys next week yeah absolutely man um for scott kennedy uh and for eric trickle as well my name is lance anderson thank you all for joining the dove valley deep divers podcast you all stay safe and take care have a great rest of your weekend and as always even though this week the broncos don't have a game go broncos we'll see you guys same time same place next week friday at 6 p.m you've been listening to the huddle up podcast join broncos country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going